Welcome to the Sugar Switch Podcast, featuring Kathy Orman, health coach and author of The Sugar Switch. This is the number one short, sweet, and to-the-point podcast all about sugar and your health. You'll discover how to kick the sugar, eliminate cravings for good, completely reverse pre-diabetes, increase your energy, and lose weight, look good, and feel great. As well, you'll be empowered to reduce your risk for serious health issues. And now, here's your host, Kathy Orman. Welcome. This is the start of an exciting new series of episodes about sugar addiction. Addiction of any sort is never simple. Indeed, it's always very complex and sugar addiction is no exception. Today we're going to talk about how to tell if you're truly addicted to sugar. This is an important topic that is top of mind for many people because sugar is such a sweet diversion that is so hard to resist. Sugar and sweets have been woven into the North American culture, so a certain amount of sweets would be considered normal. Yet today, it has become far more than that part of our culture. It seems to be absolutely everywhere, hidden in just about all refined foods. And it's at the point where people are no longer totally aware of just how much sugar they're consuming. The continuous stress that people are experiencing is also driving them to consume comfort foods, which means more sugar. Today's situation of the global pandemic, COVID-19, is a prime example. It has increased people's overall stress level and the need to de-stress and feel comfort, which has driven people to their kitchens to make all their favorite comfort foods and sweets. This in turn affects people's overall health. Excessive sugar and refined foods consumption have been linked to many serious health issues, including heart disease, stroke, prediabetes, diabetes, arthritis, and joint pain, fatty liver disease, kidney issues, and more. Many people are wondering, is sugar addiction real? Or is there just too much hype about sugar? Or am I really addicted to sugar? So today we're going to explore sugar addiction, and I'm very excited to have a special guest with me in my virtual studio. My guest is Michael Collins. Michael believes sugar addiction is very real and not to be taken lightly. As a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder for over 35 years, he took a very keen interest in what sugar was doing to him and his friends in early recovery. After much research and experimentation, he quit sugar with the help of amazing mentors. He then raised two children sugar-free from the womb to six years old, and as they grew, he rewrote the rules for sugar and kids in childhood. He takes very seriously his stewardship of sugaraddiction.com and aims to provide information and community for anyone wanting to curb or quit sugar. Mike is the founder of both sugaraddiction.com and quitsugar.com. His book, The Last Resort, Sugar Detox, has been read by hundreds of thousands of people and his online 30-day challenge, Sugar Freedom Challenge, has been successfully completed by thousands. Welcome to the Sugar Switch Podcast, Michael. I'm so excited to have you here on the program. Well, thanks for having me. It's an honor. I've been following your work and I'm excited to share and have a nice long conversation with you. Let's start off by clearly defining sugar addiction. Sugar has been part of the North American culture for decades, and it's even more prevalent now because it's pretty well in all refined foods, not just candy and cakes. We have generations of people that love their sweets, and many people wonder if they truly are addicted to sugar. So how can they tell 
that they are actually addicted to sugar? It's a great question, and it's a fair question in that the DSM-5 and the uh, World Health Organization, basically the diagnostic manuals for is something verified as a disease or an illness by the experts that be, and neither one have yet named sugar addiction as a disease. Binge eating was named in the last one. And the DSM-6 is coming out, which is the American version of the World Health Organization, a similar document. And these are things that are allow you to get insurance, like to go to a treatment center or whatever. But that said, there are many lobby groups now trying to get sugar addiction named into these documents. And if you read the definition in either one of the documents for addiction, sugar absolutely would qualify where there's a constellation of symptoms that, you know, tolerance, withdrawal symptoms, and four or five others, and adverse effects. And, and just the, the short version is like, I want to stop, but I can't kind of thing. And I like to tell the, the, the colloquial or the every man's definition is if, if they ever spent five minutes in my inbox or five minutes on my instant messenger or my email, they would understand for a decade now, I've been helping people with this. I used to be the chairman of the Food Addiction Institute here in, in the States. I'm still on the board. It's a nonprofit started in 2005, and its main goal is to get food addiction, which also includes flour stuff, food addiction named to that DSM-6. And to equate it, and you know, a lot of their literature, a lot of the stuff that we're, that we're working on is that it's closer to a substance use disorder, meaning a drug addiction, than it is to an eating disorder. So eating disorders have been named in these documents for a long time, meaning binge eating, anorexia, and bulimia. But this models more of a substance use disorder. And really, the exciting part for us and in our efforts to get it named to these documents is that the, the brain science that's happened in the last five years, where if you put someone in an MRI and give them cocaine or give them alcohol, the same exact brain reward systems light up in that MRI as when you ingest sugar. And so the evidence is there. Moreover, like I said, five minutes in my inbox of listening to the pain of people two and 300 pounds overweight, losing limbs, going blind, and they still can't quit sugar. And they literally have had their foots chopped off or whatever, and they still deny doctor's orders and still ingest sugar. The diabetes stuff, I mean, the anecdotal evidence, and everyone knows that sugar causes diabetes. These kind of things, again, have been anecdotal for years, but now for sure folks are coming around the science to know that that truly is sugar. And it's hard. It's so hard. I don't want to minimize people's angst in thinking that this thing that is legal currently to give to a one-year-old, no ethical or moral worries so far, that the science has come this far and that the exploration, you mentioned our Quit Sugar Summit, which I've done every year for five years, and we've had the best of the best from Harvard, Cornell, Dr. Robert Lustig, Dr. Lewis Cantley, who the Cantley Lab is named after at Cornell University, has said twice on our summit, and I made him redo it for sound bites. Dr. Cantley, does sugar cause cancer? 
yes, Michael, sugar causes cancer. Will you say that again, Dr. Cantley, if I can record this? He said, yes, Michael, sugar causes cancer. And so, you know, it, it's kind of your perspective or, you know, where you've been in, in life and, and what you've experienced. But yes, sugar addiction is very, very real. I hope that answered it, but a long, long-winded answer. But I, I think in my heart and my life's work, I will, we will get this name and all the doctors will agree very soon, but that's where we are right now. That would be so wonderful to actually have it recognized as a serious illness. So you have quite a background with sugar and sugar addiction. And you did touch on physical changes in the brain and what you just said. Sugar does actually cause physical changes in the brain. So how can that lead a person, if they're not addicted already, how can that actually lead a person into addiction? The part that I think is getting exciting is that there's a lot of evidence now that sugar addiction, and and I can only speak for myself and, and all the thousands of people that I've worked with, is that sugar is the original gateway drug. And with this food system that we have, the food chain that we have today, currently the food supply, which 80 plus percent of the packaged stuff on the shelf contains sugar, we're all ingesting some amount of it, even when we're not eating quote unquote a sweet or drinking a sweet beverage. And so that's a problem. And this happens literally the formulas that babies have, have great deal of sugar in them. So we start very, very early and it's not a secret that it passes the placental barrier. And so babies in the womb have sugar, which is scary as heck. So they come out with their dopamine receptors compromised. They call it thinned out or down-regulated. And these are the the brain reward systems, chemicals that are affecting real addiction. And I hate that because people delineate that it's real addiction versus this sugar isn't real, you know? This is a strange little story that happened to me, you know, kind of accentuate the point here. I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. I've been sober for 35 years. And while my parents were alive, I, I didn't want to talk about it, really. I was an anonymous person. I grew up in the anonymous programs. I had a life, a career, a family, and, and it wasn't anybody's damn business, right? But when they passed and, and I was doing this work, I just went public with my substance use disorder and told people on podcasts like this and other things that that was the case. And I had this huge flood of recovery covering people. Now, these are people that had been sober from alcohol and drugs for 5, 10, 15, some 20. One of my coaches now uh, has been sober for 20 years, but she could not, they could not, to a man, to a woman, put down the sugar. And when we got into it, we finally kind of discovered that when they were young, they were sugar addicts. They ate a ton of sugar, whether they had a weight or health issue at all. And that kind of traversed into when it stopped working to manage their emotions emotions, which is the majority of the work in our recovery process, manage unconscious emotional management system that they use sugar for no longer worked in an effective way, they went to drugs and alcohol. And then on the other side, when they got out, and sadly, even in the recovery programs, they use sugar, they substitute sugar back. And they all said the same story. They say they didn't eat that much sugar when they were using drugs and alcohol. But then when they got off the drugs and alcohol, they were ingesting more sugar. So it's kind of a, you know, Albert Einstein's genius is only pattern recognition, right? It's the ability to see patterns that 
repeat over and over where others don't see patterns. And it, these patterns keep reemerging in both recovering people, non-recovering people, is that the original gateway drug is and was sugar. So yeah, it's insidious. It's tricky. People don't really think about it only because of its ubiquitousness. It's like everywhere and pretty much at almost zero, near zero cost, right? It doesn't take much to keep a sugar habit going. Almost anyone, even homeless people can can keep it going. So yeah, it's an education process. One of my mentors says that this is a tectonic shift in understanding like seatbelts and cars, smoking, drinking and driving, things that science started to say, hey, this is what's going on. And now we're, you know, the science is discovering this about sugar. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And people have a hard time fathoming that this is a gateway drug because it, it is so sweet. It is yeah. so sweet. It's, it's a sweet poison. And I find that people have a hard time fathoming that it is actually a poison. Mm. Like, how can something that's so sweet be such a poison? The, the it's, brain, it's, it's almost like the brain doesn't comprehend that. It's a drawback. And, and here's the interesting part of our work and what is part of the work that I need to get out. And thank you for having this forum to do it is the sweet part of fruit is fructose, right? So just for your audience, the sugar table sugar molecules, half fructose and half glucose. And we need glucose to live, right? But we don't need powdered glucose. I'll make that point. But fructose Fructose is what makes fruit sweet. And even fruit has been hybridized over 300 years for the sweetness. We used to have these little crab apples and he ate very little fructose. And the problem with fructose in the diet of any kind, forget about this powdered processed stuff. I'm talking even about natural fructose, but the powdered stuff is even worse, like the cocaine of the coca leaf kind of thing, you know, is that nothing in nature is poisonous that it has fructose in it. So we are attracted to it. We are attracted to eat it and dispense the seeds. But we just never got that much of it starting only about 300 years ago, 200 years ago in some cases. We never got that much fructose in the diet. A little honey, if we want to risk getting stung, maybe a little crab apple until that hybridization started. But then when the processed sugar came out and the sweetness came out, we were absolutely attracted to it. But here again, piling on the problem is fructose can only be processed in the liver, right? And as you mentioned it in your introduction, fatty liver is a result of too much fructose. We have children now with fatty liver disease. And it's crazy to think an alcoholic's, this is an alcoholic's disease, uh, fatty liver disease is happening in children who certainly don't get any alcohol. There are actually maladies out there that people don't look to anymore. And it's very hard to diagnose and very few, even regular physicians understand it very well called fructose intolerance or fructose malabsorption. Whereas if you get an excess of fructose, that can't be processed, it irritates the digestive system and causes symptoms similar to IBS and other digestive issues, gas, bloating, and whatever. And so the issue is in twofold with the fructose dietarily, but more importantly, in the brain's chemical reward system. Fructose is the molecule that is the offensive molecule that is playing with your dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA, even your adrenal glands. It's pumping them manually, manipulating them manually. And so you're not thinking about having a craving of sugar. You're thinking about, I need a dopamine hit to get back to feeling normal. 
Now, this dopamine system developed over millions of years to help propagate the species, gives it it's a good hit when we have sex, when we find new food, serotonins, when we look at a nice sunset, it's calming, and oxytocin is the bonding chemical, or we, we get groomed, or we have hugs or kisses that we get oxytocin. And so these things develop for a reason within the body, right? And now we're playing with them manually via these powdered substances. And people just don't take it yet seriously that it's very serious and has developed into a serious problem. One of the byproducts of all this fructose and sugar addiction and sugar overuse is obesity and the diabetes and the insulin reactions that happen. But those are just the physical part. Those are the reasons you get sick. Those are not the reasons you can't stop, right? The reason it seems so overwhelming to stop sugar is not because you want to stop ingesting glucose and not have diabetes. It's because you want a dopamine hit, plain and simple. And that is hard for people to catch and understand. And we keep trying to emphasize it on forums like this. So I hope it helps the audience. Well, yes, actually it does. I think, I mean, it kind of clarifies that whole thing. There's more to it for us human beings than that. We can't see dopamine. Right. So we can only see sugar, right? So what we want is the sugar because that's what we can visually see. That's what we understand we're putting into our body. Most people don't even know about dopamine. You take the percentage of the population that understands how this is affecting the brain. There's not too many people that really do. And so it is hard. That's why it's so hard for us to understand that we need that dopamine hit. Our time today has gone really fast, Michael. Thank you so much for being here and speaking with me today. We'll end our conversation here, and in our next episode, you and I will pick up this thread about fructose and how it affects us. Plus, I have more questions about how sugar addiction happens, so I'm really looking forward to talking with you in part two of this episode's series. I always like to end every episode with the bottom line, so here's the bottom line. Sugar addiction is absolutely real, even though it has not been declared an illness like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, or eating disorders like bulimia. Sugar addiction is more of a substance use disorder than an eating disorder because the way it affects the brain's reward system is exactly the same as drugs and alcohol. Science has proven it. Sugar itself is made up of fructose and glucose. While we need glucose to live, It's the fructose that is the problem for many reasons. The issue is twofold. It's both a dietary issue and a physical brain issue involving the brain's reward chemicals. Having relentless sugar cravings and feeling like you're addicted to sugar is absolutely no fun. I know what it's like. I've been there. And along my path of kicking the habit of having way too much sugar, I learned a few things about triggers for cravings and how to master them. This information was really helpful for me, and I'd love to share it with you. For you, the Sugar Switch Podcast listener, I have a downloadable PDF called Master 7 Hidden Triggers for Cravings. So go and grab your copy of this invaluable information. Just go to offers.thesugarswitch.com forward slash triggers for cravings. Be sure to tune in to the next episode, TSSP 114, Oh No, Am I Really Addicted to Sugar? Part 2. I'll be back again with Michael Collins, and it's sure to be an interesting and enlightening discussion as we go deeper into the issue of sugar addiction. 
The Sugar Switch Podcast is the only short, sweet, and to-the-point podcast program that gives you a new perspective on sugar, nutrition, and how it affects your health. You will always find every episode on our podcast website, thesugarswitchpodcast.com. You will also find us every week on Apple Podcasts, Blueberry, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on Android. Be sure to tell everyone you know about the Sugar Switch Podcast so they can benefit from all the great weekly information we provide. And we'd love it if you would make a quick stop to Apple Podcasts and give us a review and rating. Thanks so much in advance. Until next time, go on out there and live the sweet life without sugar. Bye for now. Thank you for joining Kathy on the Sugar Switch Podcast. If you would like to be free of sugar and relentless cravings, increase your energy all day, every day, reverse pre-diabetes, and totally avoid serious health issues like diabetes, inflammation, and heart and stroke issues, Kathy Orman would love to connect with you. Find out how the Sugar Switch system can help you be the healthiest you can be. Contact Kathy Orman at www.thesugarswitchpodcast.com. Tune in next week for more great info on the Sugar Switch Podcast. And we'd love it if you'd submit a review for the Sugar Switch Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.